what Keep Kids Alive is all about. It's all about preserving relationships. This is really personal for me. As a mom of three sons who grew up always being belted in from their car seats all the way through all the varying levels of booster seats and then into their teenage years when they were driving, I still had to remind my sons when they got in the car to put their seatbelts on. And it drove me crazy because how can you not put your seatbelt on when you're driving? And so it was constantly reminding me that young people still need to be reminded of safety when driving. We never wanted to go into the schools and just scream at the kids and say, buckle up or you're going to die. You know, like it just to us, it was never about attacking the students or attacking teenagers. It was getting them to realize that you can actually use peer pressure in a positive way and you can lead your school. You can be leaders and you can influence change. I think that's what's so cool about the seatbelt challenge is that I think they realize the impact that they make as they do these videos and they go around the school and tell their friends to wear their seatbelts and we educate them on that because they are the ones that will change those numbers moving forward. I'm Tom Everson, the executive director and founder of Keep Kids Alive Drive 25. We're a nonprofit traffic safety education organization. And our mission is simply to help make streets safe for all who walk, cycle, play, drive, and ride. So that's all of us. Our concerns uh, for our organization is uh, anything that happens on and along roadways. And today we have three very special guests who are joining us from Bucks County, Pennsylvania. And they're involved with the Bucks County uh, Seatbelt Challenge. And so our focus is going to be on seatbelts today. I want to welcome Dave Walter, Dina McCaffrey, and Carly Madden. So I'd like to invite you all in and uh, maybe starting with you, Dave. You contacted me uh, maybe a month or six weeks ago about uh, being part of our Keep Kids Alive podcast. We had a conversation and it's like, wow, there's something here to share not only about your story and what you're doing in Bucks County, but I think that uh, there certainly is carryover for that for our listeners to perhaps try something in their own communities. So, you know, Dave, if you could kind of set the table for us and talk about the Seatbelt Challenge and, uh, you know, what it is and how it got started. And uh, let's see where our conversation takes us. Sure, absolutely. Thank you so much for having us. Um, our, our Bucks County High School Seatbelt Safety Challenge actually came together because there was a clear problem in Bucks County. I'm with TMA Box, we're a transportation management association, and we do everything from education to businesses, education to the general community on all things transportation related, congestion mitigation, trying to get people to think about not driving as much, maybe using public transit to get around, improving air quality while doing that, and then also safety, everything from teen driver safety to child passenger safety to older driver safety. So back in actually 2008, we were working with our Office of Highway Safety at the time, and they did a countywide survey and determined that 90% of adult drivers were wearing their seatbelts, which was a pretty good number. They had two subcategories in that. One was older drivers, and then the other one was student drivers leaving high schools. Well, that percentage was only 61%. So right away, clear issue, clear problem. That was defined for us. Everyone that was involved in that survey and putting that data together was extremely shocked. They thought there was going to be a difference from adults to student drivers, but not almost a 30% difference. So that identified the clear problem for us right off the start. And from there, they put together a bunch of task forces and tried to come up with solutions. Okay, now we have a problem. What are we going to do to change it and fix it? We all sat together. We sat down with key stakeholders in the county. People threw around, well, let, let's do assemblies. Let's have people come in. And our organization kind of thought, you know what, let's let's not go in that direction. Let's not talk at students and let's not, you know, you, you do a student assembly and let listen, we've all been there. Half the kids don't want to be in that assembly. It just didn't seem like the right thing for us to do and the right way to get the message across. So our program, what we tried to do was really empower the student body to get them to really focus on getting them to kind of run with the program, getting them excited about a program, getting them to kind of take the initiative, run it within their school community, because every school community is different. So there might be different tactics of ways of getting it done. 
and to get them to focus on seatbelt safety. So we decided to make it a challenge, make it a contest and put together a contest where all the schools in our county compete against each other. And that's our Bucks County High School Seatbelt Safety Challenge. And what we do is each fall semester, we go out to all of the high schools and do an unannounced survey count to see which student drivers have their seatbelts on and which don't. And we check off if they have it on. Yes, they. if they don't, we put a no. And then we give them a percentage that is kind of their baseline number for that school year. And then we meet with the schools and we have usually a student group at each school kind of take that on as an initiative throughout the year. It can be a sad group of students against destructive decisions. It can be a student government group, student council, class leaders. It can be in the case of having uh, Dina with us, a media production class that is going to take this on and create videos. We also have a video PSA challenge that came through our seatbelt challenge, became a, a popular program. And they run with it throughout the year. They do all different initiatives. They do all different fun activities. Some create posters. Uh, we have sponsors where we can distribute t-shirts that they get to wear throughout the year. And then they do all of their promotion throughout the school year. And in the spring, we come back out and do a follow-up survey. And that number then, that percentage is what pits all schools against each other. That's their final seatbelt percentage usage number. And then we pick a winner and we give them a cash grant with a plaque. And then we also reward the school that had the highest improvement, the greatest percentage increase. So if a school went from 80% to 90% and that 10% is the largest, we give them a plaque and a trophy as well. So it's really a student-run program. We come in in the beginning of the year and kind of give our little spiel about seatbelt safety. But then it's the teachers like Dina and it's the students that really run with it. And the stuff they come up with is just super creative. Well, it's great to hear because as a former teacher, I politely decline doing assemblies. I'll always ask, though, is there a student group that I can work with? Because that's where the energy is. That's where the creativity comes from. So it's, you know, it's wonderful to hear something that's got a, a 13, 14 year history, it sounds like, in uh, working with students. But Dina, I'd like to invite you into the conversation. Uh, what's your background and what's your role in the, uh, the project? First of all, thank you for having me. I teach digital media production at William Tennant High School, and I've been a teacher for about 13 years. My first career was a journalist. So I spent some time in newspapers and television and wanted to transfer my love of media to some students. So I went on and became a teacher. And it was shortly after I arrived at William Tennant High School that I connected with Dave. Dave had reached out and shared the information about seatbelt safety and the PSA contest. And of course, fortunately for me, Carly <laughs> was one of my very first students when I started at William Tennant High School. And she was one of the groups that participated in the, uh, the PSA contest as well. This is really personal for me as a mom of three sons who grew up always being belted in from their car seats all the way through all the varying levels of booster seats and then into their teenage years when they were driving, I still had to remind my sons when they got in the car to put their seatbelts on. And it drove me crazy because how can you not put your seatbelt on when you're driving? And so it was constantly reminding me that young people still need to be reminded of safety when driving. And Dave knows that this is a very personal for me, in addition to being a mom. When I was in high school, when I was just 16 years old, I lost a very good friend as a result of a driver driving under the influence. She was hit stepping off of a trolley on her way home from school, and uh, she died a week later. And I remember it, you know, how devastating that was to lose a friend, but to lose a friend in that way was just left such an impact on my life. And so, I made it sort of a mission, a secondary mission, but a very important mission to spread the word. And my media background, I think, just helped to do that. How can we communicate this message to young people? And definitely assemblies are, you know, it's all for them to listen to me in the classroom. So assemblies certainly aren't something that they like. But kids really have been, and I don't like to use the word buying into it, but I guess that's what they've been doing. They, they really are very serious about it when they do it. They really want to get the message heard in a way that their peers would listen to. It's been a really important part of my media production program to participate in this every year. You know, it brings a couple of thoughts to mind. You know, one of the initiatives we have with Keep Kids Alive is uh, 
called Live Forward. And it's all the work that we do with families whose loved ones have died in traffic incidents about how to bring good into the world. And, you know, to me, what you're doing through education is that good to be brought into the world to help integrate these kids into being a part of the solution to a problem that's out there and recognizing that they have a power that they can use. And, uh, you know, it's, it's good for that to happen. But a second thought I had was just from a parenting standpoint, when you mentioned about reminding your sons to continue to, to buckle up is a little bit of my past as I worked at a place called Father Flanagan's Boys Town, which is a residential facility for high-risk kids and out-of-home placement. And it's all skill-based. It's all focused on moving the behavioral needle from negative to positive. And there's been a lot of research done on how you move the behavioral needle and how long it takes to do that. And having done a lot of workshops around the country over the years, you know, people will, I could toss out and say, well, if you're going to teach somebody how to introduce themselves in an appropriate way to another human being, you know, to go up and look at them and greet them, say hi, extend your hand, shake their hand, find out their name, tell them your name, you know, how long do you think it would take for somebody to acquire that skill? And, you know, sometimes people have these little formulas, well, you know, if you do it for 30 days, you'll have it. And uh, so, well, the research bears out that you're looking at about a two and a half year process. And that's as if you consistently do that day after day after day. And people would be surprised. They were like, oh, how could it take so long? And I said, well, you know, when your kids were young, did you teach them how to say please and thank you? You know, if they're 16, are you reminding them to say please and thank you? <laughs> it's I mean, it's always very much a process. And I, I see that in terms of our driving behaviors as well is that, you know, none of us is going to be the perfect driver. But I always like to say we need to practice the better. Uh, you know, every time we, we get in a vehicle, and certainly seatbelt use is a part of that. So I, I want to invite Carly into the conversation. And we already know that you were a student 13 years ago and were part of this seatbelt challenge. So I figure you have a unique perspective from your experience. And I gather you continue to be involved in it today. Uh, so I invite you to share a little bit of your background and experience. Again, thank you for having me. Yeah, I definitely have come full circle, especially with the seatbelt challenge. So in high school, I guess it was probably in 2014, the first year we did the seatbelt challenge. And I was in Dina's classroom with my friends and we were introduced to it and learning about PSAs and how to make a difference with those short little clips. So we got to work on those moving forward. and. Now I work for the TMA with a program called the Community Traffic Safety Program. So I run a program on highway safety where we work with kids that are infants all the way up to senior citizens. And we also cover all those safety topics in between from seatbelt safety to distracted driving and helmets and just about every safety topic on the road that we can think of. Um, so that's where my program works. So I've been able to go with Dave and kind of give that education of how important it is to the kids and then let them take their spin on it and make their videos or so many schools do so many different things. They hand out candy and tell everyone to put in their put on their seatbelt. So it's been really a privilege to kind of come full circle from being in the classroom and making a PSA to watching kids now hand them in. Even last year was my first year and my brother had submitted a video. So that was, it's also fun to kind of see that come around. Well, can you talk a little bit about that first video that you were involved in making? Uh, you know, what was the <laughs> message? Do you remember the tagline? Or I, I wish I could tell you. I think we did seatbelt safety that first year. It was kind of the first year we ran with the program. Everyone kind of broke into their small groups. And then I remember working on them just depending on what happened in the school year. So I know a couple people had personal stories that they kind of connected to, to make those videos. And then some were a little bit funny to kind of get those messages across because you are in high school and <laughs> sometimes that's the way to do it. So I think we had a little bit of the serious side. And then we also had that comic side to keep everyone still engaged in that messaging. Well, super. You know, Dave, uh, Dina, are you thinking of anything as you hear Carly talk? Because I gather, I mean, obviously, Dina, you were involved with this, uh, you know, 13 years ago. Dave, I gather you may well have been as well. So, you know, as you look at the evolution of um, the Seatbelt Challenge, uh, you know, what are some things that you've learned along the way? Yeah, definitely. I mean, one of the things that grew out of our Seatbelt Challenge was the whole kind of video boom 
I forgot to mention as part of our seatbelt challenge, every school that uh, participates in our seatbelt challenge can also submit a 30 second video PSA on any aspect of teen driver safety and um, be eligible for a prize as well. And that was born out of students doing their own video. There was a school that had a couple junior class leaders and they on their own did a rap video spoof that kind of took the school by storm. And they created it on their own, got permission to film it on campus and show it through their uh, school TV programming. And they won both both categories of our seatbelt challenge that year. So after that, we were kind of like, wow, this was a great idea. How can we incorporate video technology into this program? And that's when we came up with the video PSA challenge part of our, our seatbelt challenge. So and and that has been so rewarding to see um, so many schools participate in that. And as Carly said, to see year after year what they come up with in terms of what they feel is an effective message to deliver. Sometimes it's the pull tug at your heartstrings, sad videos that kind of are emotional and make you think. Then there's ones that do. They use humor to get their point across. So in each year, it kind of switches. And and the one neat thing about the video PSA challenge is we have a group of writers, high school reporters from our daily newspapers in Bucks County, that they're the ones that pick the winning video. So their peers are selecting the winner. And that's always neat to see how the kids get excited about watching the videos and picking those videos. And that program has just developed and flourished over the years through our seatbelt challenge and having teachers like Dina that really incorporate it into their curriculum. So the students are doing it for a grade, but they're also doing it for the challenge really helps get the message home. And without teachers like Dina that really are there daily with the students to kind of remind them to stay on top of things. That's such a big part of the program is the buy-in from the teachers. They really make this program flourish because Carly and I come in for one day, do our spiel, do our presentation, and then that's it. And then um, so having teachers like Dina that fully embrace this, make the program what it is. I tell, I, I write a thank you letter every year at, at the conclusion to all the teachers, thanking them for what they do because without them, the program just doesn't work. So that's that's one of the things that we've seen over the years is having teacher buy-in really makes the program flourish. Well, to me, this is just such an, uh, a wonderful example of a community partnership that makes a difference. And, you know, in particular, I love when you mention uh, about other teens being the judges, because who would know better, you know, what appeals to other teens? <laughs> It kind of reminds me, uh, my oldest son has a media production company. He was 10 years old when I started Keep Kids Alive Drive 25, and I had no idea what his future held. He has done PSAs for us uh, on occasion, and I let go of that a long time ago, you know, because he had a knack much more for knowing what would work than I ever would imagine. I'd, I'd just be the uh, the old dad who's like thinking, oh, yeah, I think you should do it this way. You know, it's like, nope, nope, just get out of the way and let the creativity take over. So, uh, yeah, it's great to hear that. You know, Dina, do you want to piggyback on that in some way? Yeah, absolutely. So Dave inspired us because this is selected by uh, the team writers from our local paper. I decided that when when I would introduce PSAs, we would um, have a class-wide vote in all of my classes who did the PSAs. We would have a class-wide vote to see which ones we would move forward to be considered since we can only submit one of our PSAs into the challenge. So from there, once the highest vote getters from their peers would, we then take it to the school-wide vote. So I broadcast it on our morning announcements and this we will have like, you know, an Instagram vote or, um, you know, something where the students can go on and vote for what they think we should send into the competition. And that's a way for us to not only see what their peers are thinking and which one they think would, you know, have the most likelihood of winning, because even though we're spreading a message for teenagers, it is also about winning. So they want, you know, they really do want to win the challenge. So we send those forward. But you know, it's a twofold thing. Yes, we get to pick the one that the teenagers are most inclined to vote for, but we also get to spread that message to our student body. So all of the students get have the opportunity to see that, and then they have their voice heard to see which one has impacted them. And they take it really seriously. We we get like a really good number of votes for that. And 
teachers will be emailing me saying, you know, oh, so-and-so, you know, said he forgot to vote, but this is the one that he wanted. So it, it just works out really well. And it's, it's just a way for us to continue to spread that message throughout the school building. You know, sometimes I think we shy away from the word competitive. And I, I often think of a couple of other words uh, that I associate with uh, being competitive. You know, one is that, you know, to be competitive is to hopefully bring out the very best in ourselves. And, uh, and so other people benefit from that. I mean, I think of, you know, a successful, you know, maybe sports team or a successful production of a play uh, or an orchestra that where because of what people are doing, other people in the community get drawn in and they're just so supportive and they're, they're affected by that. I always like to associate the word care with competition. If you're really going to be truly competitive, it's because something, it's something you really care about. So it's, it's good to see uh, students uh, extending their care out, not just for a project, but for the way that it ripples out into the community at the school and hopefully beyond as well. Yeah, I think the competition part like really makes it special. It's interesting. When we started this, we really didn't know if the competition side would get the kids that excited, but it did. And the thing about Bucks County is, you know, students might go to one high school, but their friend group extends to maybe a different district and their friend group extends to a different district. And they all get excited about the competition and want to know how did this school do and how did how did our rival do? And so they have these mini kind of rivalries in themselves. And this program kind of brings out more of that in a good way. But we didn't know if the competition thing would be that exciting, but the schools really do get excited about it. They want to know what the other schools, how the other schools are performing. And, and it's just, it, it's been really neat to see that over the years and the rivalries just keep on going, which is neat to see. Well, it reminds me that uh, maybe a good rivalry, uh, a benefit of it is that it brings out the very best of us, that we want to be as good as we can be and respect the fact that our rivals want to be as good as they can be as, as well. You know, because I think it, it hopefully helps to promote a, a mutual respect. And certainly when students at various schools are vying for these awards, you know, they have a sense of what other people, what students at other schools are doing, you know, to make it happen as well. You know, I often think of uh, speech competitions, which I did in high school. And, uh, you know, once I did my speech, it was like, wow, I can sit back and just enjoy everybody else. <laughs> And all because I know they're good. <laughs> so might as well just enjoy that. Carly, you had a comment that you wanted to share. Yeah, I was going to say, I think it's also really the cool part about the PSA is that you don't it doesn't have to be just on seatbelt safety. It's any safety topic for traffic related safety issues that the kids see. So I think it's interesting to see from school to school what they feel is important, whether it's texting and driving or wearing your seatbelt or some different schools have they have lost students because of certain incidences or different crashes that they've been involved in. So I think that part of seeing them come in and what they focus on is really interesting, too. And it definitely changes year to year, whether it is texting or driving or just changing the radio. They come up with so many different ideas that I think as an educator, you don't realize that that's how their brains work. So it's fun to see those come in and then learn, okay, this is how we sh we can get the messaging across next year a little bit better for them. Keep it engaged in their age group, like, is a good way to put it, I think. Well, I think a good premise always that uh, at least I try to operate out of, uh, not that I should project this on everyone else, but, you know, is that recognizing that the audience that we're working with, uh, that once they identify the problem, they get to know the problem pretty well. And then recognizing that the solution to that problem can come out of themselves as well. To me, that's the kind of engagement that really makes for some very uh, creative and, and to me, life-preserving messages. I, I always like to focus in on, on preserving lives. Not that I'm against saving lives, but uh, I figure saving lives usually happens because something tragic has happened. And so uh, you know, if we can really look at it in terms of, of preservation, uh, I know with uh, Keep Kids Alive, Drive 25, We've got a little initiative we call Seatbelts Fascinating. And the, the two questions that go along with our campaign is, uh, who do you love and who loves you? Because if our answers to those questions are not enough to get you to buckle up, I'm not sure that there's something that would be more motivating than that. Who are the people we're coming home to? Who are the people we're coming home to? Us. Because Seatbelts Fascinating and Fascinating spelled F-A-S-T-E-N-A-T-I-N-G. 
Dina, you were talking about growing up and buckling up. This dates me, but uh, my dad bought the first Ford 10-passenger station wagon back in 1966. And uh, the first thing that he did was he outfitted it with seatbelts. And no, cars didn't even come with seatbelts back then. That would have been a special order uh, at best, but he outfitted it with seatbelts and that car never moved without everybody being buckling up. I didn't realize that my dad was a seatbelt pioneer. <laughs> he was our dad <laughs> and this was the expectation. So we just did it. It all, you know, so as you get older, you begin to realize, well, you know, everybody's experience wasn't our experience. So we started seatbelts fascinating uh, after he died because it seemed to be the best way to honor his legacy in a real concrete way is just to focus on seatbelt use. I want to invite you to share any highlight stories that you may have. You know, when you think back on, you know, 13, uh, 14 years of doing this challenge, you know, are, are there any stories that just kind of jump out for you and are just special memories? I think for me, just to see this program, luckily I've been able to be involved since it started and to see it go 15, now it being our 15th annual year, it's just amazing to me how much the community has embraced it and how many times we can walk into a school and people know us as the seatbelt challenge people. It, it still amazes me that there's such a buy-in for the program. What makes this program successful is we get data at the end of the year. And, and that data every year that we've done it, there's been an increase in baseline surveys from the fall to spring every year. So you're able to look back every year and be like, we did something good <laughs> or we didn't do it, but the kids did something good. The students did, did something good. And just to hear from students and teachers over the year tell you that they had such a good time, whether it was promoting the challenge or making the video for myself to hear that is just extremely rewarding to get to meet teachers like Dina who are the cream of the crop, you know, they're there because they want to make our children and our future better. They're special people. So for me to get to work with so many of those teachers on a personal level and get to know them and just get to collaborate with them on something that is so positive, the rewarding part of that makes every tough day at work totally worth it. And it's just that when you look back to say, oh, we've been doing this for so long to see where the program's at and to see the data now where the students have hit that 90% target area, which was what we were hoping to do was to get the students to buckle up the same rate as the adult drivers. We've hit that, but our work isn't done until we get you know to that 100%. How about you, Carly? Do you have a fond memory of uh, a particular year or a particular event, a particular video? I think this year was my first full year in this position. So being able to start and finish it was was really rewarding this year to see those numbers and to go in the schools again and be in person and, and see those small groups of kids that really are excited. And you hear them talking right away and they're like, what are we going to do? Or what kind of video can we, their brains think as soon as you're in that room, which is really cool. But this year we did a lot of work with a particular high school and they were the ones I went in, I taught a couple different programs for them. They have a driver's ed program, which we see is very successful. And then they do a mock car crash every year, which we got to be a part of this year. And that school did win most improved. And I think that was super rewarding to say that we maybe had a part in that in seeing those kids or to go in that school and see those kids say, oh, I remember you from last time and thanks for coming again. And I'm wearing my seatbelt or I didn't put, pick up my phone this time. I think that part is most rewarding for me. Uh, how about you, Dina? So Although we didn't win the PSA challenge this year, <laughs> we did submit a very fine um, PSA. We did win. Um, I think, do we still hold the record, Dave? I think we won three times. Three, three, three times, times, yeah. One that, year, back-to-back -back years. So we've, we've won <laughs> yeah. three times. But I'm not bragging or anything like that. It's just... <laughs> uh, I'm super proud of my kids because they really do um, want to do this. You know... Like Carly said, when she comes into the schools and speaks to them, you know, it's a really important message. Because we've been promoting this so much in our school, 
the students look forward to it. Well, when are we going to do our PSAs? And they get very, you know, they get hyped for it. So this year we had like a lot of really good ideas. And one of the students, and it ended up being the one that we entered, was able to pull in one of our local ambulance companies to come in and, you know, explained what they were doing. And this was a 10th grader who produced this. So I got her for a couple more years uh, bringing these bright ideas. But they kind of took a general approach saying, you know, I wish I hadn't turned up the volume on my phone. I wish I would have worn my seatbelt. I wish I didn't send that text. And then at the end, you know, there's, you know, kind of powerful, a student, a teenager, you know, being put into the ambulance. And at the end, he looks up and he says, wishes can come true, just drive. And, you know, it was powerful um, on their end. And I had absolutely nothing to do with the, like, I mean, obviously I approved their planning, but this was all what they were thinking. And I think that's the important part that comes out of it. I can guide them and facilitate that discussion, but it's their ideas and what is meaningful for them. So I think the fact that they reached out on their own to get an ambulance company to come and, you know, then I contacted the principal and said, Hey, would it be okay to have an ambulance on the property? I don't want anyone to panic, you know, thinking that something is wrong. And she was, you know, absolutely, this is great. And so, you know, everyone really was supportive of it. So that just makes me really proud. It makes me proud that they are looking ahead and looking forward and already starting to plan what they're doing for next year. So that that's just really meaningful. Well, thank you, because to me, that just echoes the reality that the best way to learn is by doing, you know, by being engaged in that whole process. And, uh, you know, this is a super hands on process. And, you know, it's it's great to see to me those kind of educational efforts happening, because to me, uh, you know, certainly there's the messages that come out, but there's so many skills that are involved that students are learning along the way and not just technical skills, but I think those social skills of interacting and being a team together and coming up with the ideas that all of those are, are so crucial you know, some people uh, out there may be data driven. You know, when I think about the seatbelt challenge, uh, I did do a little research myself and, you know, the last statistics for Pennsylvania, uh, and they did echo what uh, what David shared about 90 plus percent of, of people are buckling up. But over 50 percent of people who die in car crashes in Pennsylvania are unbuckled. So we take that 10 percent that is not buckling up and you know, realize that it's just a devastating effect when uh, you don't buckle up. And here in Nebraska, where we're based, that number is over 60% of traffic deaths are, are attributed to somebody not being buckled up. That's a key factor that results in death. And uh, I always remind people, you know, all but for two and five eighths inches, uh, inches of fabric, that's the width of a seatbelt that is there to uh, preserve our lives, to help us to get home, if we're in a crash to uh, decrease the severity of injuries and make it highly more likely that we will survive. I think something that I find interesting is I've been in preschool classes and I go all the way up to senior citizens and everything in between on the same safety topics. And when we go into high schools, I notice a lot of times where they feel like they're targeted and they're targeted because they're not wearing their seatbelts or they're texting and driving. And I say, it's not just, you. It's stop at a stoplight and look to your right and look to your left. And there's going to be a mom or a dad or a, somebody else is going to be texting or driving or putting on their makeup or using their phone or not wearing your seatbelt. But they're the age that is going to make the change. And I think that's what's so cool about the seatbelt challenge is that I think they realize the impact that they make as they do these videos and they go around the school and tell their friends to wear their seatbelts. And we educate them on that because they are the ones that will change those numbers moving forward. And then their kids will never even question to wear a seatbelt because that's just the times are just evolving. So I think that part is once they realize that they're not being a target and that they're the ones to bring the message across, that helps a lot too. And they get ex more excited and don't feel that pressure on them as they're doing something wrong and that it's everyone, but they're the change. I think that really speaks to what empowerment is all about because empowerment, if I'm going to empower somebody, I'm not really doing it myself. I mean, really inviting them to become empowered and to share the message. And I think too, it's, it's important for all of us to remember that teenagers did not create all these problems. <laughs> They're a very creative bunch if they've invented all of these behaviors. 
it all because to me, you know, if a, a teen engages in any of those behaviors, they probably have seen it in people around them. So to me, it's, it's always putting it in that community context and looking at the power that uh, young people have to make a difference in the community. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the essence of our seatbelt challenge is we never wanted to go into the schools and just scream at the kids and say, you know, buckle up or you're going to die. You know, like it just to us, it was never about attacking the students or attacking teenagers. It was getting them to realize that you can actually use peer pressure in a positive way and you can lead your school. You can be leaders and you can influence change. You know, we can show you the data from the over the years, how your school has improved and how this program has helped improve that number. So like Carly said, it's just that they just don't have the experience and and they don't have all of the knowledge. And that's okay. They're not expected to start driving and, and know everything. And it's a process and it's a learning process, but it, you know, there's there's a lot that they can learn. And if and if they're open to learning and open to listening and you know, things like that, they can do this on their own. You know, we're not doing anything for them. We're just giving them the, hey, there's a little bit of an issue here. Can you get your school to to work a little harder to get maybe a couple more students to buckle up? And and they do. It's always like applying peer pressure in a positive way is one of the things that we have seen over the years really help this program. And yeah, it's not about attacking and lecturing in a sense. It's letting them know they can do this. They can make this change. And to piggyback a little bit on what Dave said, that peer pressure in a positive way, it's not even necessarily just their peers. I've had students over the years say, oh, you, you know, this like when they were looking at statistics to include in their PSA, you know, I've had to remind my mom or my dad or my brother or sister, you know, to put down the phone. Like, my, you know, I had one student like jokingly say to me, my dad thinks that if he's looking at something like, you know, he's looking at the directions like Google Maps on his phone that, you know, he's not texting. So he's OK, but like he's distracted. And they're noticing that and they're reminding their parents of that. And so I think that's something that's really important too. They're bringing those conversations well beyond the classrooms and the schools as well. So hopefully that will continue to, um, you know, make a difference. I kind of want to wrap up with just a question, uh, you know, for our listeners out there, they might be thinking, well, I might like to do something like this in our community. Maybe if you had one or two tips that you might share from your experience uh, for somebody getting started, uh, what might those be? Well, that's a great question. I, I think if a community or, or you know wanted to do a seatbelt challenge, I think the best recommendation that I can make would be focus on collaboration. Find organizations that you know have the mission of of safety involved. Find the schools that are going to work with you. Find the teachers. I have to say that's been a huge thing we learned over the years is when we started, we went directly to administration and it was difficult to get the administration to, to listen to us. But when we found teachers and we found the teachers, you know, the different groups, the SAD advisors, the, you know, the student council um, advisors, when we talked to them directly and got them on board, that really helped take the program to a new level because we had buy-in from the teachers. Then administration at that point was like, okay, great. They can run with it. That would be my biggest recommendation is find the teachers and the faculty that you can work with. You can get them to work with you, to listen to you, incorporate it into the curriculum as much as possible. And I think just, you know, like I said, the collaboration piece for me, uh, we're a small nonprofit. So the, the more collaboration, I always feel the better in anything we do. And it's no different in this program. But I, I would say find the teachers that are really going to buy in to something like this. And then that really helps get any program like this off the ground. Okay. Well, thank you, uh, Dina. I think that this was a really easy program for for me to buy into as a teacher. I'm fortunate enough to have an administration that is very supportive when I go to them with ideas. And I think that they realized that this was something that was an important message for our students to share. And, you know, I was able to write this into my curriculum. And I think it's really important when you convey this message to students to let them know 
you know, part of teaching is, you know, that social emotional learning piece, you know, getting invested in our students and our students understanding that we care about them and what they're learning and not necessarily just, you know, a state mandated curriculum. This was personal for me. I share my personal story with my students. And I think that helps them to, to realize that this is an important message that we need to share. And it impacts everyone, not just the teenagers, but their parents, their younger brothers and sisters, their grandparents. So it affects us all as a community. And so I think when you come and you approach it in that way with your students, they're, they're more likely to really care about it. And they see it every day. So again, it was, it was an easy way to get involved. And, you know, Dave and Carly, you know, working with them, they make it really easy to be able to do that. And I think that it's just a great partnership. And I would just encourage everyone, like Dave said, to really do that collaborating because it's, it's integral to what the message is going forward. And I think from sitting in a classroom eight years ago, with Dina and hearing that story and then saying that this is, this was one of our first projects. I mean, she was a a new teacher and she ran with the program and it's still in place and it's just growing tremendously every single year. And the fact that you can produce so many different videos and so many different messages and let those kids pick, I think that is huge because not only, yes, there's a winner or maybe you win one year and you don't win another year, but all those messaging is still being put across that platform for the schools and they're being shared to the younger siblings and their parents. And then we're growing as Bucks County and reducing those highway crashes, which is my part is the education. And I think going into seeing how the teenagers, the way that they think is so different than what you would think is going to get across or people will say, Oh, just put it on social media. They'll read it. And it's not true. They, their brains work so different and they have so many different ideas and they, they grow every day. So I think that part is fun to be full circle and, and see it come all the way back around and be a part of that side now where we're getting these submissions and educating the students when I used to be a student in that room, a part of this program. You know, one of the thoughts I had uh, when Dave was talking uh, in setting the table for just how you get started, you know, to me, it's like a very Mr. Rogers-like Go out and look for the helpers <laughs> and, and invite them to come in. But I also think, you know, something that's connected with that is following the positive energy, is finding the people who've got positive energy. Because I don't know how many people that I've spoken with over the years and, you know, they've gone and tried to recruit people into a project and, you know, they've been rebuffed at every turn and they keep going back. And it's like, well, the energy's not there. You know, go find the positive energy. I said, it might be somebody down the street. It might be a PTA president. It might, you know, you just never know who it's going to be. But when you find that kindred spirit, go and and begin to do the things that uh, are within your sphere of influence to do something about and just grow from there. Because I think we spend far too much time sometimes. I know there's an editorial comment on my part, but I think we spend far too much time trying to get people who are negative, negative, negative to try to be positive, positive, positive. It's like, well, just go find the positive people to start out with. And, you know, eventually some of those people who, you know, maybe didn't weren't on board to start out with, they'll they'll get on board because they kind of catch the energy of what you're doing. You know, as I think about winding down our conversation uh, today, is there anything that you're thinking about that you wouldn't want to leave this conversation and, you know, go home and say, gee, I wish I had said that, or (laughs) or I had been thinking about that beforehand, but I didn't get a chance to share that. So I want to leave it open for you to kind of give a parting thought. I'd like to thank Dave and Carly and TMA and and your organization, Tom, for really keeping that message going and, you know, spreading the word. I think that that's really important. Communication is the key to so many things. And by keeping that conversation open and spreading the word and doing the good, valuable work that you're doing, it makes my job easier as a teacher to be able to say there are people helping to do this as well. So I think like I just applaud you for all of your efforts in spreading the the word and and keeping it going. So I'm really grateful for that. Well, thank you. Uh, and I know that uh, this is our 27th episode of our podcast and none of them happen simply because of me. 
it happened because of all the people who are doing such wonderful things all over, all across the country, you know, and who care deeply uh, about their, their communities, their schools, their families. They want to see the best happen. And I, I appreciate you all being uh, a part of the best in Bucks County. Carly, do you have a parting thought? Yeah, I think um, I always go into the schools and community centers and I say to everyone, but like you mentioned earlier, that 50% of people in Pennsylvania's lives could have been saved if they were wearing a seatbelt. And my favorite exercise to do is have half of the room raise their hand and the other half put their hands down. And I say that's half of you that if you weren't wearing your seatbelt, wouldn't be in this room tomorrow. And I think that's when they really realized like that was a lot of people, whether it was seven kids in a room or 35 or a whole assembly. But when you look around the room, that's when they realize it's real life. I think that part is good. So it's repetitive and everyone says it. And sometimes they'll say, yeah, we know you're the seatbelt people wear your seatbelt. But until you start getting into those personal experiences or they make those videos and they realize that their school might not have had that high enough number and they're shocked by it, then they start to realize. And I think that everyone should be wearing a seatbelt from and the proper way. That's the other thing on on my side is that not tucking it behind or so it doesn't beep on you is to wear your seatbelt the proper way. And we could save so many more lives every single year. Well, thank you for mentioning that, Carly, because I think that's just an incredibly important uh, uh, lesson that we need to pay attention to is that, I mean, for example, if somebody were to click their seatbelt, but put what's supposed to go over our chest under our arm, that that can create some just awful injuries in a crash because it's it's not using the seatbelt in the way that it's designed to be used. And to recognize, too, that with so much of the modern technology in vehicles, you know, whether it be side impact bags or the airbags uh, in the front, that all of those are designed to work in concert with the seatbelt, not independent of the seatbelt. You know, so people who think, well, you know, I don't have to wear the seatbelt, uh, the airbag will save me. And that's not likely to happen. So it's it's probably not going to be likely to keep you in the car even. So is just reminding ourselves that uh, there's a pretty simple process for putting a seatbelt on and and just doing it that way and uh, adhering to that practice time after time. So thank you for bringing that up, Carly. And Dave? Yeah, I think, Tom, you one of the things you touched on was, you know, the positive energy and how that can be contagious. And that's one of the things over the years that definitely has kind of stuck with me through this program is the the people, the students, the teachers, the principals, the, the people you meet doing this program, just by listening to them and collaborating with them, the stories of the emotional connection that they have to maybe they've lost someone to uh, drunk driving or somebody not wearing their seatbelt or distracted driving, just how powerful something like this can really start from nothing and then kind of take off because of positive energy and because of collaboration. I, I just think it's special. I think at the end of the day, everyone wants to be safe. You know, everyone wants their kids to be safe. Everyone wants, the, you know, our parents to be safe. Everyone wants to be safe. And it, it's not a, you know, this isn't brain surgery. This, this isn't something that's very much a hard message to get through. But I think it's just finding the way to get the message out and, and maybe not so much talking at people, but working together, collaborating together and finding that positive energy, finding the positive people that can support programs like this. And, you know, you giving us the opportunity to talk about this program. Hopefully somebody listens and they come up with an idea and want to, you know, t start their own seatbelt challenge. We're all trying to do the same thing, whether you're in Nebraska or we're here in Bucks County. There's a lot of similarities between a lot of the organizations and a lot of the outreach. And it's just amazing to me when you actually start to listen and talk to people, how much we all have in common when it comes to safety. It's just trying to get to that final spot to get everyone to, to buckle up, to, to not drive distracted, to just be safe drivers. It, it reminds me that uh, when we think of the messages that we work to send out about uh, safe driving practices, I don't think I've ever met anybody who said, you know, please increase the speed limit on my street. Teach me how to run a stop sign safely. Uh, you know, <laughs> I mean, people don't think that way. And but sometimes we act that way. <laughs> and also, it's so important that those messages are there. You know, Dave, uh, kind of in wrapping up, if any of our listeners wanted to be in touch with you and with what you're doing in Bucks County, 
What would be the best ways to get some basic information? Is it visiting your website? Sure. They can go to tmabucks.com. They can find all the information there. We have a, a Bucks County High School Seatbelt Safety Challenge page that they can go to to read about the challenge, to see some statistics. We have a community traffic safety program. People could email me as well. My email is dave, D-A-V-E, at bctma.com. I'd be happy to talk with anyone about our program. I've been in touch with somebody from as far as Colorado to talk about starting a program similar to ours. So I'm very open to, to helping anyone out that wants to discuss our program, how they can implement something similar. Like I said, it's all about that collaboration and that that positive energy. So yeah, anyone that would like to reach out, please feel free. So tmabucks.com. And I'm, I'm guessing that they can email you off the website as well. So they can find my email off the it, website. Yes. As well, I correct. mean, if you're listening to this while driving, please do not write this down. <laughs> yes. <laughs> just, just go back and, and listen again. <laughs> I want to thank Dave and Dina and Carly for joining us today and sharing about uh, the Seatbelt Challenge and some of the incarnations that have grown out of that challenge uh, in uh, addressing different driving and traffic safety concerns. Thank you very much for what you're doing and what you will continue to do and for all the lives that you're affecting in uh, such positive and proactive ways to help prevent injuries and deaths. So thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Tom. You know, for our listeners out there, if you're listening to this before June 10th, 2022, uh, Keep Kids Alive Drive 25 will have our annual Live Forward 5K Run Walk to Remember uh, here in Omaha. And there are virtual options to participate from anywhere in the country. You can put together a team. You can participate from wherever you are. But the purpose, uh, the focus of the Run Walk is to honor loved ones who have died in traffic incidents uh, here in Omaha, where we do this live. Families from all over come to uh, honor their loved ones. Every family puts together a team. Every team gets to pick out the color of shirt for their team and create a team name. We also line the route with signs favorite photos that the families send in of their loved ones. And it's a real special event, but it's something uh, in the last two years uh, due to the pandemic, we did it totally virtual. And I think we had teams in 16 different states last year. So it is possible to do that. To find out more about that or anything else about to Keep Kids Alive Drive 25, you can visit Keep Kids Alive Drive 25, and that's 25, the number 25, uh, keepkidsalivedrive25.org, or if you're into shorthand, it's kkad25.org. 